can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to live today. And I have to be very transparent. I have about 14 sermons in my heart right here. Uh, because there's so many directions the Holy Spirit can take this message. So I just made all my notes. And I'm just going to let him speak. And wherever we land, Josh, I'm, I'm praying for you today, son. Wherever we land is just where we're going to land. We're in this series entitled, When Jesus Shows Up. And I've subtitled this message this morning, When Jesus Shows Up to Tell You Who You Really Are. To tell you who you really are. Many of us are defined by our circumstances, or we're defined most often by circumstances that we were born into. And we allow it, listen to me, it may shape you, but it does not have to define you. The Holy Spirit will allow some people to go through some things and other people to not have to go through those things. And sometimes Holy Spirit will even allow you to walk through your sin, to walk through your own failure, to walk through your own shame, because he has a lesson, he has a principle that he wants to teach you by way of identity. As a matter of fact, I, I encourage you, there are two things that I've learned about the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord is both um, prophecy and identity over and over again, all throughout scripture. If you read every story through the Bible, through the lens of what is the identity God is trying to reveal, and that identity most often is revealed through prophecy. It is not because it's not their portion, it's that they haven't realized it yet, they have not come into it yet. And most of us, if we really understood who we were, we wouldn't let the things we go through shape us the way they do. Most often, there are some of us that needed two parents to raise us. Because we were such jacked up that it was going to take two people to figure you out. But there are others of us that didn't need two parents. So he allowed us to only be um, cared for by one parent because there was something that the Lord needed to do in your life by way of not having that one person that should have been there to walk away from you so that he could create a greater identity and understanding not just in who you are but who he is to you. Some people were born into prosperity while others were not born into prosperity. And the reason could be not because you were better or worse than anyone is that it did not fit the divine picture that God has for your life. So he will give some people some things and he will withhold some things from some people because it's not in the ingredients that he's working together for your good. Oh, God. I could take my seat right now because I have just preached an entire sermon. If you could understand, the, he did not need that in the ingredients of your life. It brings you great joy in knowing he's still working it together for your good. There are some things that requires chocolate syrup. But there are some things that if you put chocolate syrup in it, you would ruin the entire thing that it was created to be. Nobody, nobody in their right mind eats chocolate syrup with chicken. In their right mind. I was hanging out with a pastor in our network uh, just, just yesterday and I only to find out that he dips his Oreos in ketchup. That's how I felt too. There are some things, and I love ketchup. I thank God for ketchup. Hallelujah. 
I thank God for ketchup. I'm going to partake in it today. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. But there are some things that it was not, as gross as it would be to dip your Oreo in ketchup for you, is as gross as it would be to have a father in your home with you growing up. It may work for some things, but it didn't work for your, I don't know why the Holy Spirit has me in this, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this moment. There are some, stop looking at what he didn't put into your life and start looking at the ingredients he is working together. Because some of us didn't have to go through a miscarriage, but, but some of us had to go through a miscarriage. And the reason why he allowed us to go through a miscarriage is not because it was going to define us, but it was part of the ingredients that he had in our life. Because if we had not have had that ingredient, we may, not, we may have taken for granted the blessings of the Lord that he did reveal in our life. There are some of us that are married because we needed another mama. But there's others of us, come on, that he has given you the opportunity to have the gift of celibacy that has left you to be single and satisfied. As a matter of fact, let me just mess with this because I feel the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that someone who is single is more spiritual than the people who are married because they have more time to give to relationship with the Lord. Don't be looking around on match.com and plentyoffish.org, I don't even know that exists, and all these other places. Come on, you should be the one that's in the prayer group. You should be the one on your knees because God's giving you the blessing of not having to pull a man like me along. Y'all laughed way too much, but that's, that's Bible. And instead of looking at what she has and what you don't have, could it be that that's just part of the ingredients that God has for your life? Because he's trying to reveal who you really are. I find it interesting that here we are in 2022 where we now have to not only identify ourselves by our name, but now also by our pronouns. Because there is an identity crisis in our world today. That our name is no longer a good enough identity. We must now identify ourselves by our pronouns. Why? Because there is something that is happening in the culture and the climate of this day that is a called a, it's called a identity crisis. People are trying to search to figure out who they are. But listen, you get your identity based upon one of two things. Either the person who created you identifies you or the person who purchases the rights to you gets to identify who you are. So whether you have, have been created by it or you purchased the rights to it is the only way you get to define it. If you did not create it, you cannot define it. it. And unless you have purchased the rights for it. But not only did God create you, he also gave his son Jesus by the shedding of his blood to purchase the rights for you. That's why he said you are not your own. You've been bought with a price because he created you and he also purchased the rights for you. He's the one who gets to define who you really are. Well, Pastor, my mom and my daddy made me. No, they didn't. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, Jeremiah said, he already knew you and sanctified you and has ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. They were just the conduits, not the creators. But what do you do, ladies and gentlemen, when God calls you to be something that you don't feel qualified to be? The conflict of interest when you're so insecure or you feel like you're too unintelligent to really stand in the place 
where God is asking you to stand when you feel so disqualified. He's asking you to be a great parent, yet you didn't have one. He's asking you to be a great husband and you never saw it modeled in your life. He, he's asking you, he's asking you to be the strong one when you're the one sick. He's asking you to be the strong one when, when, when you're the one grieving the death. He, he's asking you to be the one who, although you have the, been the one who has been abandoned, you're the one that has to be the one holding up everyone else. What do you do when God is asking you to be something you don't feel qualified to be? Or maybe today, because you became so arrogant that you failed, and now God is saying, begin again. Here you are, you've blown it. There's shame and there's guilt and there's condemnation. And you, meanwhile, God is pulling on you to do something. And all you can see is the screw up you had and you made. And yet God is saying, forsake it and follow me in a path that you really are not qualified to stand in. This happens in the life of a young man in the book of Judges, chapter 6, named Gideon. Malik Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, capital A. Malik Yahweh has, has come down, and, and according to Judges, chapter 6, throw that up there for me, Josh. Judges, chapter 6, the angel of the Lord is sitting under a tree. And, and, and here is a man named Gideon. Oh, don't miss the power of this text. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Do you know what you do in a wine press? Come on, Bible scholars. You press wine. You, you press a grape to transition it into wine. It's a wine press. That a grape has been created and it is set on a vine, and it has been clustered together, and they bring it to a place called the wine press. And it is a place where it is one flat stone, and another stone is getting ready to roll in a circle around it. We see today they'll stand in baskets to squish it. And I hate feet, so I will never drink wine for this very reason right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why we take grape juice as communion, because I am not putting your toes in my mouth. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. That's nasty. But this wine press, this wine press, will, the stone will roll over top of the other stone and it will, watch this, it will transition a grape into what it was created to be. Because there are some grapes that will be meant to be consumed. And then there are some grapes that are meant to be dried to be consumed. But then there are other grapes that you can't just consume right off the vine. You can't just dry them out to get them right off the vine. But they have been created for one reason, to be turned into wine. They were made one thing, but the one thing was to set them up for the transition to be the thing that they were really, y'all don't hear what I'm saying, to be the thing they really were created to be. And here is Gideon, threshing wheat in a wine press. Uh, in a threshing wheat. It's a very interesting process that the wheat has to go through because the wheat is not about the wheat because even the wheat has got a purpose of turning into bread. 
So it's one thing, but it has to go through process of transition so it can become the thing that it was created to be. They're in a place of transition, but he's got the wrong thing trying to transition in the wrong place. So, so let me mess with it for a minute. So there's this thing called a winnowing fork, and, and you'll even see it in the New Testament. That Jesus even talks about the winnowing fork, where they throw the wheat in the air because uh, um, the, the purpose, the wheat carries much greater density than the chaff, the dirt, the, dirt, the debris, the weeds that are attached to it. So the winnowing fork is the purpose of it is to take the, the, the wheat that has the chaff and throw it into the air so that the wind will blow away the chaff so that the true density, the wheat, the purpose part of it would fall to the ground on what should be the threshing floor so that you can gather up what it was intended to be so that it could go through its own transition without the debris in it. So it can be a pure transition. The problem is, he's in the wine press, and the wine press has no wind. So he's doing the right thing, just in the wrong place. He's doing the right thing you need to do to create the right transition the wheat needs to have. The problem is, it doesn't, it's not the right environment that can cater to the transition. So it is much more difficult to separate the stuff that needs to go from the stuff that needs to remain because he's doing the right thing in the wrong place. Uh, have you ever met people that know how to do the right thing, but they're never in the right place for that thing to have us go? Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is what I love about drug dealers because they know how to lead people. But they're doing, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. They, they know how to sell. They know how to hustle. They know how, they have the discipline and they even got the faith to be able to risk. They're just doing it in the... This is what I love about prostitutes because they are open and they're hospitable and they're willing to sacrifice for their family. The problem is they're, they're doing all of those things with the right intentions, but it's just in the... And it's creating the wrong transition. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Because sometimes you can do the right thing in the wrong place and it make it much more difficult to transition. And here's Gideon. Throwing wheat in the air. Threshing wheat. On a wine press. Right thing. Wrong situation. But the angel of the Lord, Malak Yahweh, Jesus, comes in and addresses him. Why was he threshing wheat in the wine press? Because the children of Israel have now come out of the land promised to them. The children of promise, they, they have now been caught into rebellion. They've now been caught. Deuteronomy chapter 11, it tells you, I have to throw it on the screen for me. Deuteronomy chapter 11, actually throw it on the screen for me. Deuteronomy chapter 11 talks about how they're going to go into a land and it's going to be a prosperous land and it's a blessed land and it's a blessed land. But look at verse number 26. I have set before you today both a blessing and a curse. This is God talking. I've set before you today a blessing and a curse. In other words, what I'm telling you is a blessing if you do it. 
But the same thing I'm telling you that would be a blessing to you if you decide not to will become a curse on you. Not because I'm cursing you, but because when you live out of the scope of my calling for you, it perpetuates a curse because you're not in the blessing. Over and over again through chapter 11, I believe it's 8 through 32, he says, blessing, if you love me and obey my commands, if you love me and obey my commands, if you're careful to obey me and, and um, fulfill my commands or fulfill my statutes, one of those verses says, I want you to not only do you, but I want you to give it to your children and to their children because the promise is if it's going to be perpetuated in the generations to come, they've got to know what it means to love me and they've got to know what it means to keep my commandments. The next generation comes in and they begin to partially obey. Partial obedience leads to rebellion. The next generation rebels and now they're incarcerated, they're imprisoned by people called the Midianites. The Midianites are now issuing and rationing to the children of promise. In the land of promise, they're rationing their own harvest. And they're keeping them just fed enough to stay alive, but not fed enough to be strong enough to fight. And the people of God are screaming. Look at this. Parcel obedience leads to rebellion in the next generation. The next generation lives into imprisonment. And now the next generation is so desperate to be free that they'll get on their knees and beg for a redeemer again. So the children of Israel are now begging, God, send us a redeemer. And God chooses a man named Gideon. Gideon. He comes down to Gideon and he says, hey, Gideon, check this out. You are a mighty man of valor because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Hold up now. This changes everything. I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm in a wine press hiding my harvest, trying to make sure that the Midianites do not take even this thing that I have. So I'm doing the right thing in the wrong place, and I'm the wrong person for the job, but you're telling me that I'm a mighty man of valor. All I am is a farmer, and now here you are calling me a fighter. All I know how to do is this. And while I'm doing this in the natural, you're telling me that this fork should really be a sword. I'm doing this because I think this is what I need to do to survive, but you're calling me something a whole lot more. See, there's the natural you, and then Jesus will show up and call you according to the supernatural you. You mighty man of valor. I want you to see what he says. Look at the text. Oh, Lord. If the Lord is with us, where you been? If the Lord is with us, why did you let this happen? See, the 830 service couldn't preach with me on this part because they've never gone through anything. But I told them, I said, 10 o'clock, they're going to get this part right here. Because we love God, but sometimes he takes us off. 
Like, why did you, why did you let this happen? If you're really with me, why did my dad die of infantile leukemia in his 60s? You're with me? Okay, I'm going to go here. Y'all right? If you're with me, why, why did my first worship leader sleep with the guitar player? If you're with me, why is it that we had to struggle on the level we had to struggle privately to be able to erect this church? If you've called us to do this, why would you pull a 15-year youth pastor out of a 300-member youth group on the brink of my son coming into the youth ministry to make him have a class in Chick-fil-A? If you're with us, why did you let two of my three inner circle leave? If, okay, y'all, y'all can't handle this, can you? Are y'all right? I'm, I'm preaching me now. If, if, if you're really with us, why is it that we have to go through this pain? He's mad. And let's be very transparent. He has a right to be. Because in the natural, it sucks. I'm sorry, I thought you were 1130. Sorry. Sorry, my bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. I thought this was the 1130 there for a minute. Really? Really? My dad, the worship leader, having an affair with a girl at Belk who's nasty? (laughs) Two weeks before I get married, it comes out? Why did you let this happen? Why would you allow me to go through this pain and you say you're with me? Today, I understand it's just part of the ingredients. But when you're in the middle of your incarceration, what in the world? Does this have to do with destiny? You let this happen to us. What I love about God is God continues the conversation. And he's, let me, let me pause here long enough to say, God will never overrule your choices. Let me me pause here long enough to let you know. What he did is let you choose. 
and you allowed that choice to dominate your choices. He, he will never override the choice of an individual. He, he will never allow himself. And, and, and you can't hold God responsible for something you didn't consult him about before it happened. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. You, you, you can't hold him responsible when he was never the consultant. So where is this God that I heard parts the Red Sea? Where is this God that I heard as a cloud by day, a fire by night? Where is this God in this sickness? Where is this God in this divorce? Where is this God in this failure? Where is this God in COVID? Where is this God in these injustices? Where is this God in this war? Where is God? God doesn't even address. He just looks at him and he makes this statement. He says, son, go, look at the text. Go in the strength you have. Go, go in the might that is yours. N never mind the weakness that's yours. You, you can't go in the anger that's yours. But if you're going to accomplish the things that I have given you to accomplish, you can't be bitter and go in bitterness. You can't be weary and go in weariness. You got to go in the might that I have given you. Because watch this, the strength you do have is enough to bring you the victory you desire. The strength that is yours is enough to make it the rest of the way. The strength you do have is enough to fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has. One of my life verses is Deuteronomy 33, verse 25b. And it says this, that as thy days are, so thy strength shall be. That as thy days are, so thy strength shall be. Deuteronomy 33, 25b. As thy days are, so thy strength shall be. In other words, God will never bring me to a day he hadn't already equipped me with the strength to accomplish. That I will never walk into a day that he has not already given me the strength strength to overcome. If I do not have the strength to overcome this day, then God is not going to bring me to that day. No, as thy days are, so thy strength shall be. And whatever day I find myself in, I know that I have the strength given to me by God to be able to walk in that. And even if I can't make it in me, in my weakness, he's strong in me. As thy days are, so thy strength shall be. Go in the strength that is yours. And some days, you'll make it day by day. And some days, you'll make it hour by hour. And some days, you'll make it minute by minute. And then there are some days that you'll make it breath by breath. But the good news is, you're still going to make it, honey. You're still going to make it as thy days are, so thy strength shall be. I'll make it breath by breath if I got to. But I'm going to make it on the other side of this thing. God has said, I can go in the might that is mine. And I am going to see the victory that is afforded me. So look at, look at Gideon. But God, you don't understand I'm the weakest. I come from Manasseh. My family is jacked up. We, of all the siblings that my grandmother had, we're the crazy ones. 
And of all the crazy ones, I'm the craziest. No, no, no. you should have chose my brother because he was saved all his life. You should should have chose my sister because she got up every morning and did her devotions. But here you are calling me to be this thing for you and for the sake of these people. And I've got so much that I cannot do. And I got so much baggage that I have consistently in my life. And Lord, I can't do this. Don't you know who I am? And the real question is, don't you know who you are? Or have you allowed what you've been through to define you? I'm the weakest of even all of these. You call me a mighty man of valor? Some days I don't even feel like a man. What do you do when you feel like God's picking the wrong person? Hmm. What Gideon was really saying to God was, hey, hey God, don't expect too much from me. Okay, I'll try, but, but just don't expect too much from me. I'm going to help somebody get free this morning. You ready? God knew what he was getting into when he called you. If he wanted a superstar whatever, he would have chosen someone other than you. But the fact he chose you is he knows that when he does it through you, you'll give him all the glory. You'll give him all the glory because you know it's not really you. Hmm. So I have a decision to make. Am I going to be what I've grew up in or am I going to be what God has declared me to be? So he comes in. And God pushes identity over on Gideon. Gideon, come on, Chris, I'm done. Gideon does something very interesting. Y'all know what I'm done means, right? Nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. He gets destiny. And he does something very interesting. He says, Malik Yahweh, angel of the Lord, capital A, Jesus, stay here because I'm going to go get you an offering. Because if you're willing to wait for my offering because you're with me, then you'll be able to be with me when I'm battling. One of the powers of being in a church environment is that if God will show up to you here, you know that he will show up to you there. If I can be in his house and feel him, then that means I can be in my house and feel him. It's the power of church. Comes in, he says, hang tight. 
I'm going to go get you an offering. So he goes and he kills an animal and, and, and he brings some of his bread that he has with him. And, and according to scripture that he takes the animal, he kills the animal, and then he begins to you know, boil the animal and then the unleavened bread and, and all that is happening right there. And the angel of the Lord asks him to do something very interesting. He says, I want you to take, if you're going to give this to me, I want it all. If you're going to give it to me, I want it all. So give me the animal, give me the bread, and then I want, I want the broth too. Dump the whole thing out. If you're, let me say it another way. If you're going to give me your marriage, I want all your marriage. If you're going to give me your children, I want all of your children. If you're going to give me your life, I want all of it. If you're going to ask me to fulfill purpose through you, then I want you to give me all of you to fulfill purpose through. Don't give me part. I don't want just the meat. I don't want just the bread. I don't want just the broth. If you're going to take the time to give me something, I want all of it if you're going to give it. He says, but here, here's how I want it. I want you to take the meat, take the bread, take the broth, and I want you to dump it out and pour it on the rock. Oh, we're so close to Easter. God is into rocks. He's into stones. I'm so glad. He said, I want you to take the meat, take the bread, take the broth, and pour it out on the rock. Because listen, your offering means nothing if it's not founded on the rock. You know that he is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. You know that he said upon this rock I would build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He said, I want you to understand that I am the rock, your solid foundation. All oh, can I mess with this for a minute? All throughout the Old Testament, we see pictures and illustrations, types and shadows of Jesus all throughout. Sometimes he's the man in the form of a redeemer and sometimes you'll see animate objects that he'll use to give us. All throughout the scripture, we see Jesus being identified as rocks all throughout. He was the rock. That's why he took five stones, J-E-S-U-S with David and he used the rock and he heralded to defeat the Goliath. When Moses was leading the children of Israel out into the promised land, he told them they're thirsting to death. Where were they going to find water? He said, take the staff and strike the rock. And water came out of the rock. You hear what I'm saying? It was a picture of Jesus. He said, I want you to know that if you'll drink from me, you will. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? He'll never thirst again because Jesus is a great picture. He's an illustration. He's a type. He's a shadow of the rock. I want you to understand today that he is a sure foundation. He is a solid foundation. He is not staying that the storms of life will wash away, but you can build your life on him. You can even build your offering on him. It's the power of who he is. He he is solid, steadfast, and assured. He is the rock that is higher than me. It's the rock. He poured it out on the rock. Oh, look at this. And when Malik Yahweh received the offering, I love the book so much. The Bible says, not like Elijah, fire fell from heaven. No, no, no. The fire came from within. Look at this. And the fire rose out of the the fire was in the it wasn't out in heaven dropping down but the fire was inside oh god see they preached with me good in the 830 come on here you ready ready the fire was in the 
rock, the rock. The fire was on the inside of the rock. Ooh, while the rock is a picture of Jesus, fire is a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fire wasn't, the Holy Spirit wasn't outside of Jesus. No, the fire was in the rock. It was already in the rock. The fire was on the rock. And that's why when he hung up in high and they stretched him wide and he bowed his head from me, his die, he, the Bible says that he gave up the, they gave up the ghost, uh, the picture of the Holy Spirit had to be released. That's why he had to die so that the Holy Spirit could now come. Oh, Acts chapter 2 is tapping me on the shoulder. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they had all gathered together in one mind and one accord. And suddenly there came cloven tongues of fire that was once inside the rock had now been released. You don't hear what I'm saying? Because this is the power of the rock with the spirit and the spirit, the fire inside of the rock. And it consumed the offering. From within the rock. <laughs> oh, I love the book. It consumed the offering by the fire that was in the rock. It comes in. And as the angel of the Lord is departing, Gideon knows scripture and he says, Huh, wait a minute. You. No man can see God and live. That's what you told Moses. That's why you hid him in the cleft of the... The reason he survived was because he was in the rock. You, I, can't, I can't see you on this level and survive this. And as he is ascending, he stops and he says, look at it peace be with you don't fear you're not going to die because of this encounter huh. or is he saying peace be with you when it's 300 of you versus 144,000 of them because you're not going to die when the odds are 450 to 1, don't be afraid. You will not die. And here's what he says. He says, so Gideon built an altar there and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Most of us want his peace but if he's with you you have it because the Lord is peace this word shalom is a very interesting word it's been something that has it has been in my wife M, M's word all year long if I say this wrong tell me I know you will. Just tell me now versus later, okay? That word shalom means to stop that which causes chaos. To make that which causes chaos to cease. Just grab the mic. Come up here. There ain't no way I'm going to say it the right way. You said it right. But you corrected me, so I didn't. 
Bible and when you study the scriptures in the original, there's a lot of different words, English words that go. But shalom in the deeper meaning means you are recognizing the God that, that is over the chaos. You're not recognizing the chaos. You're establishing in your posture, in your position, in your situation, in your storm, you are recognizing the God that ceases the chaos, not the chaos. The chaos is always going to be there. It's when you walk in the authority of recognizing who's in control of the chaos. That's when you take your dominion and your authority over the situations. Let's take a church vote. How many of you think she ought to preach one Sunday? And... Shalom. I've begged her all year long, please just preach that so I don't have to. And then you get mad because I, I took it. But in this moment, watch this. He built an altar when he realized he had encountered the God who was above the chaos in his life. Now, you would think that he would have built the altar when he did the offering. But it was an encounter that brought an identity. It was that identity that made him bring an offering. And it was that offering that God accepted that brought him the peace. And it was that peace that made him build an altar. In the first service, the end of the first service, I had not seen this. I just heard the Holy Spirit. He said, son, today I want to do one of two things. I'm going to do both, but some people need one of two things. I'm wanting to solidify some identities. Today is a day of identity. You are not weak. You are not your past failure. Yes, it shaped you, but it does not define you. If it did, you would still have condemnation. But when you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's another identity that you have availed to you. I want to solidify some identity today. And then number two, I've never seen it this way. Today is the renewal of some vows. Some of us made covenant with God. We made covenant with God. We said, Lord, if you will do this, I will do this. And covenant has been broken. The old church would call it being backslidden. But today... It's vow renewal. It's covenant again with the Lord. He didn't burn you away or throw you away because you walked away. He loves you. What did he say earlier this morning? He loves you more than he hates your sin. Today is a renewal. Today is a re Thank you, Holy Spirit. Bow your hands for a minute. Just for a minute. Today is not, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's a renewal of covenant with me. But I just feel prompted of the Holy Spirit in this moment. There are some covenants, covenant relationships that need to be renewed.
Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening today. Covenant relationships. I just feel proud of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about marriages. But I'm also talking about covenant relationships, partnerships, friendships. And thank you, Holy Spirit. And because of riotous living, you've ran from those. God is drawing you back into covenant postures. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's time to posture yourself again under covenant. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Posturing ourselves in covenant again. Just slip your hands right where you're seated. Just slip your hands up all over this room. Father, do what it is that you want to do today. Do what it is that you want to do today. Right there, he made the altar. Somebody's got to get back to the altar. Somebody's got to get back to the altar. Your identity is is tied to your encounter. And there's covenant still availed to you today. Stand with me all over this room. Wow, the Lord's taking this in a completely different direction. Just slip up your hands in worship. Just slip up your hands in worship. worship with me. Just worship all over this room for a moment. I'm coming after identity. You are not broken. You're not broken. You're not weak. You're not your addiction. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are not your past failure. Yeah, you did it. That's okay. That's why he shed his blood. So he can undo the guilt of it. Holy Spirit. Coming into identity. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a friend that will stick closer than a brother. I'm pulling you into identity, son. I'm pulling you into identity, daughter. Oh, my goodness. Today, 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 man, this is so different than I thought it was going to be. But this is so in in line with where I feel the heart of the Father in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I say the shalom of God be over your chaos today. I speak to the chaos of your storm and your situation and your failure and your pain and I call for the Jehovah Shalom to be the God over your chaos today. 
I call for the peace of God which surpasses all understanding to put up a guard over your heart, to put a guard up over your mind today. I call for the storm, the chaos of your mind to cease and desist by the power of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ today. I call you into the fullness of your maleness in him, your femaleness in him. I call you to the fullness of what he has desired and created and set you to be. I charge that marriage with the charge of Jesus Christ. I charge that marriage with the power of Jesus Christ. I charge that child rearing with the fullness of the love of the Father over your life. I charge your singleness with the single-mindedness of the focus of being the lover of Jesus and Jesus the lover of you. I call everything that has tried to hold you back, that has tried to hold you into bondage, into captivity. I call to that depression and I say Jehovah Shalom over that fear, over that anxiety, over that worry, over that nervousness, over the, I call the peace of God into the situation of your life that has created confusion, that has created the chaos of your life we call it forth today by the power of the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus enemy of the redeemed the Lord rebuke you today the Lord rebuke you fear the Lord rebuke you failure the Lord rebuke you shame the Lord rebuke you anxiety the Lord rebuke you suicidal spirit the Lord rebuke you anger the Lord rebuke you bitterness the Lord rebuke you apathy the Lord rebuke you the Lord rebuke you slip up your hands and worship I feel a charge in this atmosphere you you mighty woman of valor you mighty man of valor I hear the Lord saying go in the strength that is yours because I'm with you Jesus 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 heads about eyes are closed heads about eyes are closed ah oh, Jesus oh Jesus Every worshiper, just worship. Prayer team, just pray for a minute. Just pray, just pray, just pray.
Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. I, I cannot get away from this. I will be disobedient. I will be disobedient if I don't. I just hear the word of the Lord. Just, 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 just kill that all just for a minute. Just, just for a moment. I want to be very clear. And I don't want this to be soft. This is the, the Lord is correcting today. Heads about, eyes are closed. I've got marriages in this room that are struggling. And you're struggling. And your spouse can't understand for the life of him or her, not just limited to just men today. Why it's struggling, but you know that covenant has been broken. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Covenant has been broken. I hear the Lord saying pornography. Broken covenant with your eyes. And your spouse can't figure out why you're disconnected. But you know. And this is not a male only. I hear the Lord. This is not a male only moment. Covenant has been broken with your eyes. The promiscuous woman is not limited just male or female. Your emotions have been broken with the flirtatious game of the snake at your job. And then it's just riotous living. There's a whole other life you have that you're keeping on the down. And your spouse can't figure out why you're disconnected. Today is the day to renew your vows. I'm not calling you on your crap. I'm not calling you out today. I'm not calling you to this altar to put anything on blast. The warning of the Spirit of God is being released to you today because the love of God is drawing you today. Before, thank you, Holy Spirit, before it's shouted from the rooftop, son, daughter, I'm calling you back into an altar renewal. I felt that thing hit when we said that you cannot hold God responsible for what you did not consult Him about. Let's pray with me in this room. Just pray with me. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Before it shouted from the rooftops, I'm calling you back into covenant renewal with me. It's the word of the Lord. I don't know who it's for. He's not showing me. And my eyes are closed, so I'm not looking. But I know the Lord is speaking in this service today.
covenant with me, a renewal, the Lord says. Father, we thank you that you even chasten those you love because you have a greater purpose for us than even the stuff we find pleasurable today. Father, we make confession to you today. Father, we display our life before you, asking for the blood of Jesus to wash us and make us whole. Father, I pray that the power of your blood would break the back of pornography in every male, in every female's life in this room today. I pray that that spirit of voyeurism and perversion and bondage would be broken today by the power of your blood in Jesus' name. That the sins of the Father would not be transitioned to the sons and the daughters. That this, oh God have mercy, that the sins of the position of the people that are in covenant with you, Lord, that we would pass down the love covenant we have with you and the commands of that love covenant that we have with you from generation to generation, oh God. I ask you to break the back of perversion that sits over our households today in the name of Jesus, that we may walk in purity, that we may walk in holiness, that we may walk in wholeness because you have created shields around our lives today oh God draw us back to our first love which is you and then our ability to love as you have loved us to others we ask it in the name of Jesus we ask it in the name of Jesus we ask it in a slip of your hands all over this room man I this is just what I just this is a holy moment Let us walk worthy of the call today, O oh God. The call to be your son, the call to be your daughter. That we might have a steadfast identity in you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. We love you for it in Jesus' name. We honor you for it in Jesus' name.